But that's because like that's what the internet was like in the good old days, or I say in the good old days in the in more recent times. <laughs> like five years ago. <laughs> yeah. This is Brian Clark from Copyblogger, and you're listening to my friend Ash Roy on ProductiveInsights.com. Welcome to the Productive Insights Podcast, where you can learn how to systemize, automate, and scale your business via the internet. To access previous episodes and useful productivity tips, go to www.ProductiveInsights.com. Now, here's your host, Ash Roy. This is Ash Roy, the founder of ProductiveInsights.com and the host of the Productive Insights podcast, bringing to you episode 132. Today, we're going to be talking about using video to grow your business and your brand. This was quite a long interview, so I decided to break it up into two bite-sized chunks to make it easier for you to consume. This is the first part of the two-part series, which you can access by going to ProductiveInsights.com forward slash 132. So in this first part, we talk about the benefits of video advertising with a particular focus on YouTube an area in which today's guest is an expert, we talk about a whole range of things, including the fact that marketers have two key jobs. The first one being to ensure that we motivate people to make the right decision when it comes to purchasing. And the second one being to reduce the friction around the point of purchase. So we'll hear more about that in this episode. We'll also talk about how to decide if video is good for your business or not and how to create high-quality, impactful video and lots more. Now, definitely head over to ProductiveInsights.com forward slash 132 to access all the show notes, including the details of this episode and related episodes. If you like this episode, you will definitely want to check out episode 16 where I spoke to Ryan Spanger about how to use video to grow your business and episode 128 with international news anchor Julie McDonald where we talked about how to use the media to build an authentic brand and show up on the media authentically every time. This episode is brought to you by the Productive Insights podcast editing service, which takes away all the pain of podcast editing. All you need to do is upload your file to Dropbox and we'll take care of the publishing and get your episode onto iTunes. Book a call with me on callashroy.com to discuss how we can get started. I hope you find the insights from this conversation to be as valuable as I did. Enjoy the show. Hello, I met today's guest at the Superfast Business Conference in Sydney in 2017, a few months ago. He's the founder of the video advertising agency Viewability, which builds, tests and tracks thousands of video ad campaigns for clients from many industries around the world. His goal, to inspire more marketers to build and optimize video advertising. I'm delighted to welcome Tom Breeze from viewability.co.uk. Welcome, Tom. Hey, Ash. Good to be here. Good to have you on, man. I really found some of the information that you shared with us at the Superfast Business Conference to be very valuable. And I'd love for you to share some of your insights with us, particularly around video advertising with a focus on YouTube, which is your area of expertise. So let's sure. start by talking about why you think video is an important part of today's marketing mix and what benefits do you believe video advertising, YouTube in particular, offers over, say, Facebook or Google advertising? I think that um, 
if we took the first question there about like the importance of using video in a business, I think that when a company wants to reach their customers and actually have an impact, Mm -hmm. the best way to do that is to use video. If you look at all the different mediums in terms of you could use text, image, video, um, we're getting into like virtual reality now as well. But um, if you're using something like video, you can convey a much more powerful message. I, I, I think that the Albert Morabian study of like 7% of your communication is words, 38% is uh, tonality of your voice, and then uh, 55% is body language. I think that gets um, misquoted quite a lot uh, because it's more a case of just how uh, how we do communicate and different levels of communication. But there's still a level of truth within 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 that to say that when you're using video, you're just engaging many more of the senses. People can see you, people watch you, and we can take in so much more information. And the thing is, we remember video. So very rarely will you be out there in the marketplace and you think, oh, I really remember that billboard that was just text. (laughs) That just doesn't happen. Do you know what I mean? It's like you you don't remember those sorts of things. Whereas if you had a scenario where like maybe a a radio ad perhaps where it's just audio, sure, you might remember the jingle maybe, but whether you actually remember the brand as a a thing is unlikely. But when you've got a really good video, then you can kind of get in someone's head almost and Mm -hmm. stay there. Um, and that's the, that's the power of video really is that once you do have a video, people will remember you. Now that's not to say that people will remember you for all the way, all the time for the good reasons. Um, it can actually <laughs> be for the negative reasons as well. Right. And I see a lot of people creating video, uh, that is not good for their brand uh-huh. and people remember them for that. Um, even when it's like a hidden message within it, it can come across very badly sometimes. So it, there's a fine balance there, but just the knowledge that you know you're going to be remembered and you're going to get that message in front of people and have a, a real big impact with people is really the power behind video. And um, I typically explain this in terms of like Velcro. So mm-hmm. when um, you have a video that you get in front of someone and they kind of, they're going to remember it because every part of their um, brain is engaged um, as long as they're actually paying attention to the video, of course. So that's a challenge in itself. Mm-hmm. But imagine like your message in your video whether it be the visuals, whether it be what you're saying, whether it be the music that goes with it, whatever it might be, every single second, it's almost like you're the hook part of the Velcro and right. their brain is almost like the the loop. Mm-hmm. And so you're sticking to their brain. And the more hooks and loops you can get stuck to their brain, the more they'll remember you, the more that you kind of like won't be forgotten. And um, But you just got to make sure that the mem- like the hooks that you are getting in there, the, the things they are remembering you for need to be the right reasons. Right. So um, starting off with like a really bad video, <laughs> mm-hmm. people will remember that. Um, so you got to be careful about how you come across because that first impression, the first time that someone sees a brand when it's completely cold traffic the first time, we remember that as 100% of the experience of that brand. Mm-hmm. And so when you are thinking about kind of creating your video and getting in front of someone, a new person for the first time, you just gotta be really careful about thinking about how you want to come across. There are some people that say, oh, you should go for real direct sales, go for the kill, kind of get that sale in there very, very quickly. My my philosophy is, is very different to that. I, mm-hmm. I tend to try and, try and get people to imagine what it would be like offline. So what would mm-hmm. it be like if you met that person one-to-one down the pub or in a bar or in a social environment? Like, how would you communicate? What would you say? Um, And when you have that and you start with that in mind, start with the user in mind, that individual person, then it doesn't take salesmanship. 
when it comes to creating your video ads. It just takes kind of general um, or genuine human interaction and care for your customer. And if you have that and you start from that position, it actually becomes very easy to create really powerful ads. So that's kind of, it has to start with the user in mind. And if you do that, you will typically create a much more powerful campaign. Okay. Um, now, a I think that answers the first question. I'm not sure if there's a second section to that question, so apologies, but um, I think I went okay. off on one there. <laughs> no problem. I'll come back and ask you that question again, but you've just raised some really interesting points, and I've been making notes. So when... Uh, if you're watching this on YouTube, which we will be publishing this particular conversation on YouTube as well. So if you're listening to this on the podcast, it's going to be on YouTube. If you're watching it on YouTube, you might see me looking down from the screen every now and then. And I'm not being rude. I'm just taking notes so that I can come back and uh, <laughs> bring up some really valuable points that Tom is sharing with us. So the first thing I wanted to mention is you make a great point, Tom, about video offering a really strong proof point in a sense. I remember when I interviewed Ryan Spanger back in episode 16, uh, where we talked about video advertising, he really s made that point. He said video is the ultimate form of proof. And yes, you're absolutely right. It is very convincing. And we'll come back and talk about this biggest challenge most people tell me that they have when it comes to video in the, in the challenges section later on in this episode. But most people say, well, I'm not comfortable getting in front of a camera. And for the record, I empathize with them because I have been avoiding getting on video for the longest time. And I've been told by many people I should be doing more video, but I've been avoiding it. So I totally understand that objection. And we'll address that later. I agree that video is a very strong proof point. Now, something that I have noticed, and you really touched on it then, is you said video can create a good or a bad impression. So it creates a lasting impression, and you need to be sure that you're creating the right impression. So I'd like you to drill down a bit further, if that's okay, and share with us some of the biggest mistakes we make around video. One thing that jumped out at me when you were talking earlier was this point you made about sales and our common friend, James Framco, I was just communicating with him and I was saying to him that, you know, I'm finally starting to get it. Selling is not about selling. It's about facilitating a purchase rather than making a sale. And I'm hearing that those undertones in what you said earlier on. Is that correct? Yeah, for sure. I mean, I think that um, there's always a, I mean, I think selling gets a bad name mm -hmm. um, unfairly. So I think that like, if you look at anywhere you are right now, I mean, I'm, I'm in my studio right now looking around and everything that's I've got in the studio, I've bought and been sold by somebody. Um, so selling is per se is, is, um, has got a negative connotation for no good reason, really, apart from people don't like sales to talk about it negatively. Um, but it's that a salesy approach um, yes. is where it kind of gets um, a bit sticky sometimes. And it just is not needed. I think that um, the internet when it first came around, I think people realized that it was this new place and people could take advantage of this idea that you could be a faceless company and you can create kind of sales pages full of text and uh, claim the most outrageous things and it wouldn't be regulated. And as a result, people kind of fell victim to it hmm. of like buying these products or these services that they probably shouldn't have bought. But that's because like, that's what the internet was like in the good old days, or I say in the good old days in the in more recent times. <laughs> like five years ago. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, precisely. So it's kind of like, and it's still happening today, right? So it's it's not like it's over. But sure. I mean, um, it's gonna it's 
it's starting to turn a lot more around now, especially in the last few years, whereby as a business, you can um, you can show your transparency. So when you say you're not doing video right now, we're actually creating a video right now. Yes. So you are doing video. <laughs> um, <laughs> oh, but, um, I started to do think, more and more of it, but I've been very reluctant so far. Yeah, but um, I think a lot of people have this kind of like, oh, I'm not very good at being me talking directly to the the lens of the camera yes. um, and selling my services. And it's like, yeah, not many people are. Um, and the people that think they are, are not normally very good at it either. So um, it's not like this thing where you're expected to be some sort of pro on camera like TV presenters are. And people don't even want that anyway. Hmm. People want that genuine, uh, genuine one-to-one interaction if they can have it. Now, that's difficult, but video is going to be the closest thing they can get to right now, yes. of, uh, apart from obviously actually having the one-to-one. Mm-hmm. But I mean, in, th- in that scenario, you've got to remember that if you start with the user in mind, they're not searching for a video. They're not searching for information that's presented exceptionally well. They They would like that if it came up in that way. So I'd always say like, create the best quality video you can and, and yeah. do the best you can, but not to the point where it's gonna stop you from actually creating the video. So we're not, like when we go searching and going looking for information, we're not out there thinking we must find very good quality video. Mm-hmm. Some of the best performing ads that I have with clients are like much lower quality video, okay. uh, not poor quality, but lower quality, mm-hmm. and not shot in the studio, can be shot on an iPhone, so you can get away with that stuff for sure, mm-hmm. and they perform particularly well. But it depends on what your brand is about, depends on how you come across, depends on if video is actually one of your fortes or not. Like right now, you're presenting very well, hopefully I'm coming across well as well, oh, yeah. but I've just known over the years I can, I can chill out with it, I can relax with it, and I know that... Um, like at the start of this podcast episode, you're even asking me like, here's some few of the questions. I'm like, yeah, that's cool. Just ask me any question you like, because I've done it enough times now. If it was the first time I was going on video, I probably would have panicked a lot more, and yeah. I probably would have been thinking about so many other things when I'm presenting. But now I I know I can just be in the moment. I can trust in myself. But that comes with a bit of experience. Mm-hmm. So it it depends, and it, it's got to be your forte. If if you're really good at writing and you're terrible in video, you should probably not be doing video. Just go for the writing. Writing's not dead. Good yes. writing is very much alive, but yes. average writing is not going to be good enough. But average video is not good enough. It has to be good video. So either the content has to be good and, and presented well, um, but it's kind of like it's, it's just making sure you're present with the viewer of the video. And the reason I say that is because when it comes down to any business, because people always ask me, like, what's the perfect way of creating the best video, for mm-hmm. example? And that's such a difficult thing to advise upon because you're going to have different customers. So you've got we break it down into three different types of customers. You've got kind of like um, window shoppers who are could be interested in what it is you have, but are not ready to buy just yet. Yep. Then you'll have the in-store customers, and those people have shown an interest. Maybe they're doing some research. Maybe they've come in-store and asking your sales representatives questions about different products and features of different products, et cetera, mm-hmm. and wanted to get a demo, for example. And then you have the checkout customers, the people that are kind of saying, yep, I'm ready to buy. I know exactly what product it is. I just want to dot my I's and cross my T's and make sure that I feel completely comfortable buying this particular product. And each customer is in a different phase of buying, but also going online and searching different things, using different phrases, um, kind of going to YouTube, going to Google, going to Facebook, going to all these different places 
Mm-hmm. But when they when they have that buying intent and they're going to YouTube, they'll be looking at different types of videos. And our jobs of as advertisers of our own businesses or as us as an agency is to identify which customers you have, where mm-hmm. they're going, and understand how we can get in front of them, put the right ad in front of them by knowing we're starting with that user in mind, like understanding their mindset. And then it doesn't become this really complicated digital marketing mess of just hey, look, we should be using this type of offer and do a drop down and a tripwire and all, all these different terminologies that just don't need to be mm. um, talked about because now you're saying, right, let's start with the user. Let's think about exactly what they're going through and provide the perfect solution for that person. So if I know that someone's a window shopper and they just could be interested in what I've got, I'm going to have to do a lot more work to get them to come and buy from me. But if I've got a ton of people that are saying, hey, look, where do I sign on the dotted line? Where do I go and buy? Like, how do I find the, the best YouTube ads agency? That, like, when they're typing that sort of stuff in, it's easy picking. I just have to get in front of them and say a message of like, hey, well, look, I've got a really easy way of getting started. Here's the place to get started. So that's a very different conversation than someone who could be interested in potentially promoting their business. Um, and then you've got the middle ground as well, people that are looking to promote their business but don't know don't know about YouTube advertising just yet, perhaps. Mm-hmm. And that's where I've got a little bit of work to do, but I know that they're going to be very receptive to my message. But this, I'm talking about my agency here, but we could easily translate that across to any business doing any products, doing any services, e-commerce versus services, anything. Um, we know we have three different types of customers, the window shoppers, the in-store customers, mm-hmm. and the checkout customers. We just need to tailor our message to them, find out where they're going, and um, and then when we've got those pieces of the puzzle, we just need to make sure the offer is right for them as well. And if you have everything like that, marketing and digital marketing and digital advertising actually becomes very simple indeed. Sure. Tom, you've made some great points, and I just want to tie some of the things you've said back to a point that I made earlier on, which was about facilitating a purchase as opposed to making a sale. I love what you said about understanding where the customer is on their journey. So you talked about the window shoppers, the in-store customers, and the checkout customers. The window shoppers were people who were just at a point where they were trying to do some product research uh, and trying to get to understand their problem and how the product may solve their problem. The in-store customers are people who have understood the problem, they know that they need a solution, and they probably have identified that this product is going to give them a solution, which is why they're in-store or the in-store phase of their purchase. And then the checkout customers have been convinced that they have the they have a problem. They This is the solution. This is the best solution for them. This is the product I want to buy. Show me where to pay. So I really like the way in which you've structured that. In fact, in episode 75, when I interviewed Joe Polizzi, he talked about exactly this. He talked about understanding your customer and meeting them where they are on their journey. And the analogy that came out of it, I don't think he used it. I think I sort of created this analogy out of that conversation. But the analogy was, if you're trying to sell a washing machine and your Whirlpool, there is no point you telling a customer who who is in the window shopping phase why your Whirlpool washing machine is better than a general electric washing machine. If they are trying to understand the difference between a front loader and a top loader in washing machines, then you need to solve that problem first before you go on to telling them why your washing machine is the best. If, however, they are at the in-store stage or the checkout stage, probably at the in-store stage where they're evaluating different options, that's when you might create content or videos 
that tell them why your washing machine solves their problem in the best way possible. Tying that back also to facilitating a purchase rather than making a sale is the idea that content and any form of selling, content being one of those forms of selling or one of the media through which you sell, really is about solving a problem, isn't it? So if you are able to present a solution in a way that facilitates a purchase, in a way that presents to your audience that, hey, this is what I'm offering and this is how it can possibly solve your problem, that is a far more ethical and less pressured way to make a sale. And that's what good quality video is. Is that correct? Um, so I always get uh, concerned about um, words like ethical sell um, and that sort of thing. Because I think that okay. if someone wants to buy and someone wants to sell and there's a good match, then great, go for it. That's like, however that however that business is done, that's mm. fine. As long as there's no lying or cheating in the, in, right. in the relationship, then I think it's fine. When it comes to kind of like understanding the customer journey and facilitating the sale, I think that what I would say is that as a, as a marketer, mm-hmm. there's two things that we need to do. Um, we need to motivate someone to make the purchase. Uh-huh. And and when I say motivate them, typically on YouTube, they've already done a lot of that motivation already because they're already in the research mode. They go into YouTube because they're looking to find information already. So we're going to be getting in front of them when all that motivation is already done. Um, we might get them at a certain early part of that motivation, though. So say, for example, let's take your example of the washing machine, for example. Uh-huh. A window yeah. shopper to me might be the person that typically does the washing at home in my family, that's my wife. Um, so, um, my wife does the washing and, um, you're far more likely to be able to sell a washing machine to her than you are to me. Right. uh, Cause I don't really care, but Kirsten, uh, works on the, like with that stuff, um, (laughs) not a daily basis, but when it gets done, it gets done. But I mean, um, so if you could, if she saw a brand new type of washing machine, she's the decision maker. Um, well, we both decide on these things, but I mean, um, the the thing with um, the thing with her is that she she won't necessarily have a problem with it if she's the washing if she's going to be um, a, a window shopper, but she might just see something new and be like, "Oh, that looks cool! I kind of want one of those." Mm-hmm. Um, so, as a window, she's not in the market for looking for window uh, for washing machines, but she might turn her head. If she sees something, if she's walking past a, a washing machine store, for example, and sees this brand new thing, she might look at it and think, oh, that looks interesting. She's far more likely to do that than I would. I wouldn't even look into this window shop. Uh, I wouldn't even window shop for that particular product because it's not of any interest to me. But it's a slight more interest for Kirsten. Um, mm-hmm. Whereas if you were running a business, um, a laundry business, for example, then chances are you would look in and peer in and see if there's anything new, for example. Mm-hmm. Um, so it's different for different people. But I mean... Um, the if you became in store at that point the only chances of me going in store is if my washing machine breaks down i'm like i go in store and i ask questions like okay i need to buy a new one which one should i get that fits my family um i'm in a research mode but i've gone to the store to do that i may have easily gone online as well and said which is the best um washing machine for a family of four for example Mm -hmm. um that would be my research mode that would be i'll be an in-store customer at that point i'm receptive to sales messages and i'm quite open to it because i want to see sales messages um so i'm i'm ready to go and buy if i see something good Uh, but i want to do a few comparisons i want to see what's out there and so i'm in my in-store customer mode at that point i'm researching going online or going into a store and asking a sales rep Um, and so you can tailor your message for that type of person so Mm -hmm. trying to sell a washing machine to me when i don't have a problem with a washing machine is going to be unlikely 
Um, but I mean, if I have a washing machine that's broken down, I want sales messages at that point. I want to see what discounts people are offering, what different um, products are out there, which one's the best one, et cetera, and looking for a good deal and all sort of good stuff. And then if I'm at the checkout, I'm like, okay, I bought this, I'm ready to buy this product. This is one I think I need, mm-hmm. but I might just do one quick price check. For example, I might be like, okay, this is the one I want. Let's quickly check if this is a, like I've been in store before. I did this recently when I was buying some marathon, sh- marathon running shoes. I went in store and I was like, okay, I've got to buy, I want to buy these, but I just went online quickly because I knew which one I wanted and just see if there's a price comparison um, on my phone. And I was like, do you know what? It's fine. I'll just buy it here sort of thing. So I just bought it there. But say for example, there was a, a sports store online that was doing it for half price. I'd have been like, great, I'll buy it from them instead. So it's that last moment. I know what I want and I'm pretty much ready to buy, but I might just do a quick comparison or it might be someone offering a, a guarantee or whatever it might be with a particular product that just makes me feel like, yeah, okay, cool, that's great, I'll buy that now. So different people are at different stages. But as marketers or advertisers, we have two jobs. One, to motivate people to make sure that they know they're making the right decision. Mm-hmm. Um, and two, is to make, and this is the one that most people fail at, is to make it really easy. Like so many times like websites are difficult to navigate so many times i get to websites and i can't see what i need to buy or i need to set up a whole massive account so that Mm -hmm. that, then i can go and buy and they need all my details from me and everything like that um whereas when i go to amazon these days i just literally with a press of my thumb i bought a product and it's done Uh, so it's like it's the like part of the sales process is is yes motivating people but the other side of it is just making it easy for people. If you make an easy decision, if it's easy to make a decision, sorry, then you'll make that decision. Um, one scenario for me is like I've recently um, booked some flights to San Diego for a conference that I was speaking at, and I didn't have all. I didn't have the really the uh, the energy, I would say, um, to go online, do all my research for flights, book my hotel separately, and all that sort of stuff. Um, and I just spoke to my travel agent and said, "Can you just handle it? Can you just do everything for me?" Um, I didn't know how much it was going to cost, but I was kind of like, I don't really mind at this point because I just need it done, and I I prefer to be focusing on other things. Mm-hmm. And so for me, it's all about sense of ease. And he, and it's like a concierge service. They're like, yep, that's great. All going to get done for you. I'll get back in touch with you tomorrow, and you just give us your credit card details. I was like, fantastic. It was all done. It was a perfect trip, and it actually worked out cheaper probably than if I was to go and do it myself because they have access to exclusive deals and things. So that's like the perfect scenario for me at that point. It's like. I'm motivated to because I've got to go on this trip and go and sort it all out. But um, for me to go and do all the research about the flights and accommodation and transfers and all that sort of stuff, I'm that's not top of my agenda. And I prefer someone else to go and do that. Um, and other people love doing that and they mm. do it as a service. And so it means that it's just like it's a really easy phone call done, and I just tell them the dates and it's all booked in for me. Um, and it's and it's, that's kind of just making the sale as easy as possible. So there's two right. things: there's one motivating people, and two making it as easy as possible for them to make that decision to buy. So I think that once you know that you've got these three different types of customers, I would start type uh, writing down like their keywords that they'll be typing in. So if they went to YouTube, um, you're going to know people are either there to be inspired. So let's say for example, I'm an entrepreneur. Mm-hmm. around a business um, and um, the people like Seth Godin, Simon Sinek, Gary Vaynerchuk, I love watching their videos. Um, so I wouldn't necessarily be going there because I want to learn something particular, but I'm just open to their their material. So those, mm-hmm. I'll be almost like in window shopping mode watching their videos. I'm interested in that type of topic. So I'm not buying anything, but I'm just interested in that topic. So I'm, I'm being inspired by those people. Then you'd have some people that go to YouTube who would be looking for 
uh, wanting to know something, wanting to do something, or wanting to buy something. All right, so Tom, uh, you've explained that we have two main jobs as YouTube advertisers, and that is to motivate people to make a decision, and secondly, to lower the friction to access and really facilitate the purchase with minimum hassle. So how do we achieve this on YouTube if we are looking to grow our business? Cool, yeah, good question. So I think that there's um, a few things that I would do. So that's the end of the first part of this two-part series. I'll leave it at that cliffhanger where Tom is about to answer the question how to use YouTube to implement the two key jobs he believes a marketer has, which is to motivate people to make the right decision and to reduce friction at the point of purchase and how to use YouTube to achieve this. So we'll pick that up in part two of this two-part series, which you will be able to access at ProductiveInsights.com forward slash 133. My team and I will get that to you as soon as we can, and we'll cover a whole lot more in this second part of this two-part series, including action steps, key challenges to getting YouTube to work for you and your business, and lots more. I'll see you in part two. Until then, take care. Thanks for listening to the Productive Insights Podcast. You can find all the links in the show notes below this episode on ProductiveInsights.com. You can also ask questions in the comment section that Ash personally answers. How can Ash help you today?